When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome once again, everybody, to Blockbuster Mentality. I'm your host, Ben. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, before we get started, make sure you're uh, subscribed to us on whatever you're listening to, uh, preferably iTunes. That would be great if you gave us a five-star review and uh, a rating and review. That would uh, help us out a lot. Uh, had a great uh, conversation with Sam Levine. You might know him from Freaks and Geeks, uh, The Schmodown, uh, Drunk History. He's been on a few episodes of that. He was in Inglorious Bastards with Quentin Tarantino. I geeked out about asking and asked him about that. Uh, so, yeah, definitely uh, stay tuned for that conversation. Uh, Dave, unfortunately, couldn't join us. Uh, he did come down with COVID, so definitely uh, wish him a speedy recovery. Um, but, yeah, Sam was great and uh, so glad uh, he chose the film Quit show uh which he was very knowledgeable about and uh, had a lot to say about it and it was uh it was great having him so uh here is my conversation with sam levine are you still uh gonna be a married man soon is that uh... I, I am i am indeed getting married the end of uh, april what did did covid put a uh halt on that for a little bit a little bit we got engaged on february 29th of 2020 oh Uh, so we got (laughs) like right before (laughs) almost two full weeks of like hey we're engaged everything is still normal and then it all ended (laughs) uh on like march 12th oh uh, was like when the world stopped yeah. Like a day after Tom Hanks and, and Rita Wilson were like, hey, we have COVID. And then literally that was ever all it took for everyone in the world to go, ooh, this is a real thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. What happened to America's finest actor. It's over. <laughs> that's what that's what I start. Yeah, the panic started coming in. It's like, oh yeah. my God, what if we lose Tom yeah. Hanks over this? Exactly. Like, I, like wait I, a minute, he's not just some random Chinese person. <laughs> he's I, a real human. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> I I was definitely one of those who, you know, was oh, it's just the flu. Yep. Like, come on, everyone. Yep. Yep. And then the months went by and uh yeah, I uh, I was uh, biting my tongue a little. I was like, yeah. oh <laughs> whoops. <Yeah. laughs> Guess I was so, wrong. I think there's even recording on the podcast of me saying how this is just it's nothing out. it's a blip it's gonna blow right over it's it's right we've dealt with worse <laughs> and I, I went when it first started i went down the rabbit hole of like what happened the last time we had that uh, 1918 flu pandemic and i learned so much about it it was bad news <laughs> it was yeah. really really bad news for a yeah, long time what because what how long did that one last let's, let's let's have a history lesson i mean at best i can tell you like in terms of of like 
things stopped. That only lasted a couple months because the economy really was tanking. And so then they were like, all right, let's open everything back up. You know, people just take care of themselves. And then over the course of like the next five years, like millions of people died. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, that's, it was because uh... they 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 tried it for like eight months. Like, OK, let's everybody protect yourselves. And they were like, all right, well, this is too much. But yeah. there wasn't enough of a global economy yet, so it really just tanked us. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and it was it was bad news. Um, here's something <laughs> fun, and I knew this before. Uh, so the reason they call it the Spanish flu uh-huh. was the flu was all over the world, but all of the other countries in the world didn't want to print in their newspapers that this flu was ravaging their 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 people and their economies. They didn't want to put that in the papers because every country after World War One wanted to be strong. They wanted to make their citizens believe everything was fine. And so Spain was the only country willing to print in its national newspapers, hey, there's a really bad flu pandemic and it's all over this country and we're pretty sure it's everywhere else. But we can say for sure... Spanish citizens, protect yourselves. There's a really bad flu. So then every other country in the world was like, hey, hey, this Spanish flu is blame Spain. <laughs> they're they're it the did ones not start oh. there. They just had it like everyone else, but they were the only ones willing to print it. So then that's how it got named the Spanish flu pandemic. And that's why to this day, Spain still just gets under our skin. Just you know, it's just like, lousy uh, Spaniards riddled uh, with ancient flu yeah so oh man <laughs> yeah so uh anyway it's, yeah, it's it was it was it was interesting uh yeah but ho- hopefully i don't know there's you know you, you could look at it a bunch of different ways but uh <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's not gonna end like that it's gonna be a slowly tapered off thing over many years yeah definitely it's kind of the bad news that nobody yeah wants to hear. it's yeah it's uh i mean yeah especially with the variants coming out yeah. and all that it's just yeah. i can't I really wait. hope this is all on the podcast by the way i really want oh yeah it will be uh, oh, great. <laughs> great. <laughs> i i well i was just about to say i i can't wait for a podcast where this subject is not you know, come up and, you know, we can just, you know, not we talk should, about it. Go we on. We should be doing and... podcasts like the Hollywood is releasing movies and TV shows. And what? Uh, Where COVID just doesn't exist in that world. I know. Do you find yourself even watching like older movies? Like, like, oh, my goodness. Why are all those people together now? Like, I. I Oddly, my mindset no, not, is so different. not older movies because in my mind I'm like no nah, movies from 1986. Yeah. Who cares? But like now when I watch new movies that have been shot in the last two years, uh, and they take place in present day, I'm like, yeah. well, this just doesn't feel right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it's... 30 years from now, people are going to be watching this and assuming this is written about in history books, they're going to go, I don't understand. Isn't that movie set in 2021? How come they're not wearing masks and distancing? Yeah, what's all? What's what's, I don't what's that all Wasn't about? Wasn't that a big yeah. deal for you guys? But then I don't know. I mean, you, know, you watch, you know, Chariots of Fire, and they're not dealing with. No, that's not the wrong. That's not the right era. It's not the right era. Yeah, not not so much. But I, but there's uh, not a whole lot of movies set in 1918. But you get yeah, the idea. Not so much. And yeah, I hope your your wedding, you know, stays on track. It doesn't you know, get you. pushed back. Any, any, 
any further. So yeah. um, just a, a couple things I just wanted to touch on with your, your career before we get into the movie, sure. obviously. Got to do that whole spiel and everything. Yeah, so I, I do want to know, how, how did the whole... Uh, you being on uh you and Kevin Pollock, how did how did you two start uh getting together? Um, How'd you get on that show? So we met at a NAMBLA convention. Uh and that joke only works if you know what NAMBLA is. I, I was just about to say uh, uh, uh pleading that, ignorance. That's here. that's uh, just a, it's a truly <laughs> terrible joke. I've been using it for way too long. I have to retire. NAMBLA is the uh, North American Man Boy Love Association. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, yeah. it's it's like the KKK, but for pedophiles. Um, so anyway, Isn't, is that uh, a South Park thing? It sounds like a South Park. It, thing. They did do it in early okay. season of South Park, I think. But then okay. it was like the National Association of Marlon Brando uh impersonators or something i don't know yeah. um so uh the real story is kevin and i met in the year 2000 at the friars club roast of rob reiner oh uh when when i was but a lad of 18 and uh and then we reconnected uh a handful of years after that uh a lot of mutual friends and and we were going to shoot this video that never actually happened but born out of that failed uh attempt was one of my uh, dearest uh, most wonderful friendships so uh yeah we you know we're we're he may be a west coast jew and i an east coast jew but we are cut from the same cloth yeah uh so yeah we're just uh the uh, the, the the jews would say mishpucha uh, which which means you know, family. So right, um, right. yeah, we're just we're 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 too similar in too many ways. We're both just crotchety Jews. Yeah, uh, and uh, we share a very similar you know sick sense of humor, and uh, we love poker and comedy. So th- it was just a very fitting friendship. Well, yeah, because yeah, I always I always love that show, the interviews and everything. It was just uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I don't. I, I don't want to say the. It wasn't the first of its kind, but I, I think it definitely kind of uh, right. was. You know, in, in there with you know. We the, were. The, I mean, hey, I like to. You know, shows. Kevin even forgot about this. We predated uh, WTF Marin Show by like six months. Really? Really? I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, we so started, you guys did. Yeah. No, we were. We were one of the grandfathers, and uh, to our credit, we were one of the very few that had video, and to my knowledge, the only one. That was live streaming these interviews. Yeah, uh, wow. in two thousand nine okay. is when the podcast Man. started. Uh, so yeah, in like March of ninety nine. Excuse me, oh nine. I want to say. So yeah. yeah, we were we were pretty cutting edge for the time. It's yeah, it's it's crazy, but yeah, because I remember thinking like back, like I think Tom Green did like a uh, web show, like in. Mm-hmm. 2007 2008 mm-hmm. or something and i was just like i, I enjoyed it and watched it but i was like how is this gonna last people are gonna aren't gonna sit at their computers right. and watch this sure. little did i know that there'd be a little you know devices that uh you can take anywhere and watch mm-hmm. anything that has ever been created um wherever you are so you know uh little did i know um, <laughs> and then uh, I, I also have to ask because uh, uh, Christian Harloff has kind of been my uh, I, I expressed I was lucky enough to express my gratitude to him because he's kind of who started me on this uh, journey and oh, how wonderful. I've become uh, I 
oh, my gratitude to him on being a, a successful show at this point. Uh, he was an inspiration. Um, how uh, how did how did you two get together? Where you were uh, doing uh, stuff with the the schmo down? For people who don't know, it's a a uh, uh, movie trivia show mm-hmm. that has grown and grown and grown. How did how did that uh, come about? So I met Christian Harloff and Mark Ellis. Uh, we were all on an episode of Doug Benson's podcast, Doug Loves Movies. Uh, back in the summer of 2011. And uh, I had a great time with those guys. And then they invited me onto their podcast, the Schmoes No podcast. And I did a few episodes of that. And then uh, that those were always super fun. And then it was a few years after that, that the uh, Schmo Down, as it is now, was sort of born. And uh, they, uh, I caught it and said, hey, are you kidding? How did you not call me? You know, I'm a movie trivia, you know, fanatic. (laughs) And uh, and so Harlow said, oh, no, I wanted to build it. I wanted to build it before I bothered you. I was like, get the hell out of here. Um, So then I I got on as soon as he let me. And uh, yeah, the the rest after that uh, has been a, a super fun ride. That's great, man. Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's it's amazing what 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 he's built there and yeah, definitely a kudos to him and and you know, it's just yeah, good good stuff and it was yeah, uh cool seeing you there and 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 all that. Are you still involved at all? Cuz I I've, uh, I've kind of fallen away from it a little bit. Are you Yeah, are you... I I I am. So I played for a while, then I retired from playing and the last uh, then I was the I was the you know the de facto commissioner for a while, uh, and uh, the last two seasons uh, I was a manager. Uh, okay. They, they oh, had right. factions yeah. in the Schmodown. yeah. And so I was managing a faction, uh, the usual suspects, and we're still figuring out what we're going to do for the new season, uh, which is coming up in a few weeks. Um, so I, I I I don't want to say the wrong thing. Uh, so I'll, I'll just say that, you know, stay tuned. We're, we're, we're working on it. We're figuring it out. I hope I'm not uh, being too, uh, too forward here, but do, do you get compensated for this? Um, do I get compensated? <laughs> Barely. <laughs> there, there is calling it a stipend. I, I mean, the bottom line is everyone doing that show does it. Uh, because they want to be there and it's something yeah. fun for them, not because there's any money in it. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just, you know, just thought I'd throw that out there, you know. Yes. Get, make get, make get, no get. mistake. If you were a fan of the Schmodown, know that everyone participating is there because they enjoy it, not right. because there's money in it. <laughs> They're there because they want to be there. They're not yeah. there because, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll take yes. that. No one's chasing <laughs> the big money on that. It's show. right. And then what one more thing I'll ask before we get into the movie real quick. I mean, have to, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask uh your experience with Quentin Tarantino. You mm-hmm. were in Inglorious Bastards. I think uh I I go back and forth. It might be my favorite Tarantino movie. Sure. Um it's in top 3, that's for sure. Okay. Um what so when you when you before you are cast in that movie, mm-hmm. what uh, I mean, I assume you were a Tarantino guy. Oh, huge! Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, how can how, how can how can you not be? If you're um, a film lover, how can you not? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I mean, what what's uh, walk me through the call? What, what when when you get the call? <laughs> what 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 was I, that? Uh, 
Um, I mean, experience. there's a there's a 40 minute version of this story, but I'll give you the abridged one. Yeah, so, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Just I, I I'd met Quentin here and there uh, uh, in L.A. And when I knew that he was casting that movie and specifically looking for, you know, military age, young Jewish funny guys, I thought, well, if I can't book this, I got to just quit acting. <laughs> yeah, like I got to I got to at least get in there and read for this. And so I was very happy that he wanted to read me. And when you audition for Quentin, you audition with Quentin, like he yeah. reads with you, uh, right. which is very unusual in the casting process. And uh, and so I went in and I read, met with him a couple times and I read for a variety of roles. Uh, Udovich, Donowitz, uh, uh, maybe another one. I don't remember. It's all a blur now. But um, but uh, even yeah, a I Nazi read... role, because yeah, I just wanted sure, to be not? in a. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I went in and I was there for a while reading with him and, and just sort of shooting the shit. And I hope I can curse. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, great. And uh, and then I felt really good about it. And I left and I was like, OK, I, I feel good about that. It's out of my hands now. I did everything I could do. And then. I heard nothing for two weeks and I was losing my mind. Yeah. And I was like, and I heard, I was starting to hear like casting announcements were being made. Like he's picking his people and I was going crazy. So I just, I left town. I flew to Chicago and I started going to Cubs games. Cause that's my safe place. Uh, when I'm, when I, uh, I'm, I'm on edge. And then that's where I was when I got the call from my people and they were like, Hey, you want you to play Hirschberg? Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you know, it was the, the call I'd been waiting for and, uh, and working with him is everything you hope it would be and more. Like, yeah. He, he is a fucking genius. Well, even the, uh, audition process. I mean, you, you got, I mean, I would assume as an actor that just shows just how much, you know, he's invested in his work and, you know, wants to be involved in everything. I mean, it just shows just, I think, his love of movies, which we all have, oh, you know, yeah. uh, you know, and it's just hearing him talk about movies. It's just, you know, I could I could do that for hours and yep. hours. It's just, yeah, it's. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. <laughs> and here's one thing I'll say about him. There are plenty of writer directors uh you know and and you hear the word precious like oh it's precious i will say this about quentin i think to him his stories are precious like he cares about the story and how it's told but the words are not precious yeah like you can make not all of them but you can make some of the lines your own yeah. Like he'll always have the conversation with you. You're like, ah, but I'd like, I want to do it, but this isn't, I don't think this is how the guy, you know, the character would say it. And he'd say, well, how would the character say it? How do you feel? it? And if you give it, you convince him, you make a strong case. He'll go, yeah, you're right. Let's do it that way. There yeah. are other writer directors and I won't name them, but the <laughs> words are precious. Like if you attempt to say, well, I don't think he'd say, you know, together, he'd say, you know, group together. Nope. Nope. You say the words exactly as they're written. You don't right. think on my set. You say yeah. the words as written and you do what I do. And there are other writer directors and I've worked with them who are like that. And I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. I, I think filmmaking truly is a collaborative process. Obviously the director, especially if it's a writer director, you know, they're going to have the ultimate say, but there are other writer directors who won't even have the conversation with you. 
Well, I mean, it, it goes down to sports. It's you know, you, the the coach has to trust his players. You know, yep. I mean, there's there might be certain play calls, but what you choose to do on that play, how you execute it, it, yeah. it comes down to the players. You have to trust it. And all right, all right, you want to do this, go ahead and do that. You know, yep. some coaches are like that, which is great. Other coaches are like, hell no, and they, you know, uh, mm-hmm. are they they just fall and are sitting at home right now watching the playoffs so um (laughs) and uh and didn't you have to like uh um create your own backstory we did yeah Yeah. (laughs) so we all got to berlin where we shot the movie and we had two full weeks of rehearsals uh which in the film world that is unheard of because that means the studio is paying the actors to be there you know on on the clock but they're not shooting any film so just from a cost perspective, that is the studio setting money on fire with nothing to show for it. Studios do not do that unless you're Quentin Tarantino. Right. So, yeah, yeah we were all there uh, rehearsing with Quentin. And one of his big things was the first time he sat down with all the bastards was, so you guys have read the script. I want to hear what you think your character's backstory was, what led them to the first time we see them in the story. In that yeah. lineup, how did they get there? Yeah. And um, <laughs> to, in fairness, nobody knew that question was coming until he asked it. Like no one was prepped on that, and so that sort of separated, in my mind, the difference between the actors who were more like classically trained, yeah. you know, who sort of do that automatically whenever they get a role. And then there were the other actors who had uh, improv backgrounds who, even if they hadn't thought about it before that very minute, were able to come up with something pretty good. And then the guys who had nothing and really had not thought about it until that very second and got put on the spot. And uh, there was at least one actor whose answers were not satisfactory to Quentin. And he was summarily released from the project after that. Oh, wow. Um, you know, yeah, but, uh, gotta take it serious. You gotta, you know, you gotta, yeah, that's, yeah, no, that, and that, that sort of the thing is uh, Quentin was, he was not afraid to let people go. Yeah. If you're not doing exactly what he needs you to do, wants you to do, uh, you know, he'll give you a couple chances. He's not a monster, but if you can't get there, all right, thanks for playing. Yeah, I mean it's it's his baby. It's his, you know. If it's not his vision, I I, sure. mean, I can I I can understand that. Um, and, and I'm geeking out right now over over this. But uh, we're gonna get to the movie. Were you there for the uh, the bear Jew scene where he? Um, of course. I, I yeah, I couldn't remember if your character was that's, there. That's but, there uh, in the ditch. We uh, shot that over the course it, of the week. I, you know, obviously it's an intense mm-hmm. for the audience. Mm-hmm. How intense is it? for you guys when you're standing there watching that like is it you're just like ah, he's you know just playing dress up like is it intense at all are you when, nervous when Donowitz your... beats the the nazi to death yeah yeah it was more fun for us yeah, than anything okay, else yeah yeah that's what i was thinking like it's you know, obviously you're right there you know it's fake it's you know it's just right <laughs> so i mean making. we're there and i i know what props were used like yeah. i knew the difference between the real baseball bat and the foam baseball bat right that, yeah. that the actor richard <laughs> samuel actually got struck with i knew the difference between actual actor richard samuel and the dummy 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, that we shot from behind so you could hit him with the real baseball bat. And uh, so it, we were all excited to watch that get shot and, and, and filmed because, you know, it's a crazy scene. Right. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> and I was very excited to, to watch how it all got edited together <laughs> at the premiere and how oh, crazy it looked. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, we I mean, they shot that for days. <laughs> and you're just, yeah. you're just numb to it by that point. Like, I don't know. Not okay. numb. It was beautiful. It was incredible. <laughs> you know, I, but it was fun. There was nothing there. There was no there was nothing scary about it for us. Like that yeah. was just fun. Ah, oh, good stuff. I love again one of my favorite uh, Tarantino movies, and yeah, great talking to someone who who was a part of it. So appreciate you indulging me there. My pleasure. Um, uh, we uh, obviously on the show we have people on the in the in in the industry uh, come on and uh, break down a film with us. Uh, my co-host Dave unfortunately couldn't make it. He came down with COVID as we no! were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's doing better. Just, yeah, just not a hundred percent yet, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, Hang shout there, out Dave. to Dave. Yeah. You, you, uh, you're the man and uh, can't wait till you're back. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we like to break down a movie just, you know, casually just kind of talk about it and just what uh what you got from it and all that and we can break down as much we can go on tangents we can you know it's, sure, it's free form my friend um what uh now you sent me a list you i sent did a send list. You a list <laughs> you sent a list over of movies yeah and uh actually one of the reasons i picked this because i sent it over to dave and he's like oh i love quiz show and uh, you know it's like all right great we'll do quiz show and he's not even here to discuss it but i feel better we could have rescheduled you know? no no, 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 no rescheduling. No. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I, you sent a whole list, but mm-hmm. why did you pick this movie? Is uh, I know you sent several movies, but why Why was this movie in your list? Uh, it is one of my uh, favorite movies. It may be in my top 10 uh, all time. Uh, I think it is a very intriguing story. Uh, and uh, I think specifically the, the 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 way Robert Redford tells the story uh, yeah. is pretty great um, because when you're when you're watching this movie, you actually sort of see the POV of three different uh, protagonists: uh, Herb Stemple, Charles Van Doren, and Richard Goodwin. Uh, and that's really hard to do when you're yeah. telling a story, any story is to get the viewer to, I don't want to say sympathize, but understand the POV right. yeah. of multiple protagonists uh, in a sympathetic way, especially with two out of the three of them. Um, and and it, I'm, I'm always a sucker for movies that are uh, based on true events. Yeah. Uh, and in this particular instance, uh, like in just about every movie you've ever seen that's based on true events, they take artistic license. Uh, the events in the movie do not really happen uh, like they did in real life. And in real life, uh, Charles Van Doren had long been off the program 21 before the congressional subcommittee investigation began. Um, right. Yeah. And, you know, it's... the way he got on the show is not really how it happened. The way he met Richard Goodwin isn't really the way it happened. But 
but that's okay. I, 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 I'm okay with it. I've since read a lot about uh, Van Doren talking about the difference between the movie and real life. And, and even he is okay with just about everything. My, my favorite thing is his biggest bone to pick with the movie is uh, there's an end title card uh, that says what happened to Charles Van Doren at the end of it, that, you know, after he was uh, left Columbia university in his teaching post, he went to work for Encyclopedia Britannica and then he never taught again is what it says in the end card. And Van Doren's like, that's not true. <laughs> I mean, it took 20 years for him to get, you know, re-credentialed somewhere or whatever, but he's right, like, I yeah. did teach. <laughs> so I wish they hadn't put that there. That's not yeah. accurate. At least um, give me that, yeah. you know. <laughs> but, but I guess if that's your biggest bone to pick with the story, then that tells me that they told a pretty good version of it. Yeah. Um, and so that's what you want to hear is is from the people who lived it. If they're okay with the way it's told, then I'm okay with it as a as a viewer. Yeah, because I mean, like, yeah, like you said, I mean, the the true story, uh, you, you have to make it movie friendly. You have yeah. to, you know, put in the the drama and make it more intriguing. Because yes. you know, the the real story might not be. It's interesting, but it might might not be. You you can make it more interesting, you know, with yeah. your, with uh, you know, especially someone like Robert Redford, you know, doing doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, well, you know, like you said, you got you got three, you know, kind of protagonists, I guess, and it's. Uh, I I I'd say you you do kind of sympathize, you know, with them uh, a little bit. Uh, my thing, I I mean, for, for people who haven't seen it, we are going to be, you know, talking spoilers and all that, but Hey, it's a almost 30 year old movie. So get over it. 28 years old. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) exactly. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it kind of starts off with, you know, John Turturro. He's the, the character that's been, you know, the champion of this quiz show. 21 was 21 questions. I think it's called 21. 21 and uh you know he's 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 been on a roll but then uh you know the producers namely the uh advertiser uh who is played by the great martin scorsese geritol yeah. uh, pharmaceuticals yep and uh he's he's like all right we, we this guy's plateaued we we we, we got to get him out of here you know and uh so they want him to 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 throw to throw the match, uh, if if you will, um, and uh, that's that's when it it starts to get interesting because he got uh, this this kind of up and comer who who came into audition, which is Ray Fine's uh, character Charles Van Doren, um, and he uh, he's like. Why do they want him so bad? Is it that he's charismatic and, you right. know, so Her- Herb Stemple had been the reigning champion on 21 for many, many weeks. Um, and the, the ratings were starting to dip. The people were getting tired of him. And, uh, you know, the, the sponsor of the show, Geritol pharmaceuticals wanted, okay, I think it's time for change. We've got to spice things up. So the producers of the show, Dan Enright and Al Freeman were on the lookout for, okay, who can we get to be the new champion for a while to get people reinterested in the show? And that's where Charles Van Doren came into play. Yeah. Uh, so in the, uh, in the movie, uh, Van Doren comes in to audition for another NBC game show called Tic Tac Doe. 
Uh, but then Al Freeman s- suggests, hey, I think this is the guy we should bring in to replace Stemple as the champ on 21. Um, and so that's that's sort of where it was born out of, because uh, Van Doren, while nowhere near as attractive as Ray Fiennes uh, in real life, yeah. Uh, yeah. he was a more, if I may, Aryan looking, uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, you know, to blonde hair, blue eyed. Uh, uh, you know, scholar. Right. He, was a, he was a teacher at Columbia. He, the Van Doren name was sort of one of the more famous intellectual New York City uh, names. Uh, whereas yep. Herbert Stemple was a working class guy from Queens. Yeah. A Jewish working class guy <laughs> from Queens. I'm allowed to say it like that because I'm very Jewish. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so that that's sort of the idea was, all Without, right, all right. So you guys are tired of the Jewish guy. We'll, we'll bring in a, a perfect, uh, you know, Aryan guy who's smart and charismatic. And so a, that's that's sort of what happened. A Jewish guy with a brown tooth. What dead tooth, he, yeah. He, he keeps uh, insisting that he'll get a cap on it and, uh-huh. you know, it'll, it'll, it'll <laughs> everything will be good. Right. Uh, so, right. So, so the, the, the idea is that, and and I guess you said we're going to talk spoilers here. So oh yeah, right. So so the 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 truth is that the reason Stemple had been doing so well on the show for week after week after week, as by the way had n- numerous contestants before him, was because this was back in the days before the FCC cared what happened on game shows, and the producers regularly fixed them. Yeah. Uh, And this was not a commonly known thing that most game shows you watched on TV up to that point were fixed uh, because the producers simply wanted the most compelling outcomes to happen. They liked fun champions that you could root for. They were not interested in chance. They wanted compelling storytelling. Yeah. So, hey, the the underdog, the blue collar guy from Queens, he can be smarter than anyone. That seemed like a great program to them. So they simply gave him the answers. Yeah. Of all the questions. I I love how we find that out, too, because at first we don't know. We just know that he blew the match. You know, they told him what answer to give. We're thinking, okay, he's he's been given the right answers this whole time. And then once we find out that uh, Charles Van Doren has been given the answers, we don't. We find out later then that also uh, Stemple has been has been getting the answers, right? Which was a revelation, you know, in the movie. And it's like, oh, okay, so they're just doing this with everyone. It's all about what's popular right now, you know. Like mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, he's uh, the ratings are now plateauing. They're yep. maybe going down a little bit with with Herbie uh, John, T- who's played fabulously by the great John Turturro. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but you know, they're, they're sick of it. And he's, uh, he's, he's from Queens, which isn't New York, according to Martin Scorsese, which is, which is which funny is because such a dig, by the way. <laughs> it's funny though, because Scorsese is actually from Queens. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's allowed to say that. Right. Uh, <laughs> so they're like, all right, let's get this scholar in that people will cheer for. And that's when they bring in, uh, Ray, Ray Fines. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it is, it's, it's interesting in that aspect, but, uh, 
the law comes in to play here. You know, the 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 Supreme Court. Is that it's what not. You, it's a, a congressional uh, congressional. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, which is uh, that's where Dick uh, Dick Goodwin comes in, mm-hmm. and he's kind of investigating things. And what I mean, ethically, I mean, what's I'm just going to be play devil's advocate. What's sure. the big deal? What's the big big <laughs> deal here? The big deal was that the television viewing public thought they were watching a fair game, and that's what made it so interesting was they wanted to watch, you know, two people play a fair game. And when Dick Goodwin, through his investigation, learned it's fixed. And I mean, the movie doesn't get into it, but he basically discovered they're all fixed. Right. You know, he thought, well, no, the public has a right to know if they're watching scripted entertainment or real entertainment, you know, nonfiction. And and because there was no oversight, uh, uh, over the FCC and, and these television shows and the networks. I mean, what you have to understand is the events in the movie took place in the mid fifties, uh, in the mid to late fifties. Uh, so in reality, the events in the movie and then the, all the congressional stuff actually stretch from like 1956 to 1959, but they truncated everything to make it look like it happened over, you know, a couple months. Um, And at that time, you know, television, as we know it, was still kind of fairly new. I mean, anything you saw on television that wasn't a a, a film scripted show in Hollywood was shot live. 21 aired live. On well, television. Well, even, yeah, I mean, his, his father, uh, Ray Fine's father in the movie, yeah. you know, Paul he doesn't even have Paul a television. Yep, he doesn't even have a, a television, and he right. gets one for his birthday, so he's able to watch uh, his son on TV, you know, on this on this quiz show. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I, I love that, you know, the dynamic between him and his father in this movie. I think it's a, uh, it, it, it plays with, um, Ray finds his morals a little bit, you know, like, am mm-hmm. I doing the right thing? Should I just, you know, uh, give it up, which eventually he does. He, mm-hmm. he, he, he blows the answer. Um, and, uh, to digress a little, what, uh, John Turturro, when he actually gives the wrong answer to best picture of 19, 19- 55. Uh, 55 which the answer's was, Marty. He's told to say on the waterfront. Marty. Yep. <laughs> and uh, he. Uh, why? Why? What's his threat here to to not do it? To not do so. The idea is when uh, Dan Enright, the character of Dan Enright, played by the wonderful David Paymer, um, when he, he's the executive producer of the show, and he tells. Uh, Herbert, that he needs him to get the answer wrong and he's going to lose the game. And so you say, well, why doesn't he just say the right answer? And the reason is Herb had been on the show at that point for like eight or 10 or 11 weeks or something like that. And he'd won all this money. And uh, if he doesn't give the, the answer that Dan wants him to give, the risk he runs there is, well, now Dan's going to hate me. The network is going to hate me. Uh, They're never going to want to do business with me again. And even if he gave the correct answer there, 
what's that going to get him? He's going to come back for one more episode and then they're simply not going to give him the right answers anymore. And he's certainly going to lose the next episode. So at best he gets one more episode out of it. True. And now he's angered everyone at the show and network level. Yeah. So NBC would never let him back in the room again. But if he plays ball and he does what Dan Enright asks him to do, maybe there'd be more of a life for him in television afterward. You know, uh, even at the time, NBC still had a very high functioning radio arm of right. their business. So because well, he, he kept talking about the panel shows right, like to pa- get on a, on a right. panel. panel shows were very popular in, in that era. Uh, panel shows being basically anything that wasn't a you know a, a network drama or comedy there were plenty of other game shows that relied on a panel of celebrity guests you know like what's my line uh to tell the truth i've got a secret all of those had celebrity panelists who were trying to uh, uh you know get the right answers to facilitate the game and uh he he wanted to be one of those yeah was now, sort what- of the hope what 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 what's uh what's Dick Goodwin's role in this? What uh like what are you, what are your thoughts on him? Because I mean he kind of he goes in there just starts kind of investigating like you know what what's going on here. He finds the one guy who you know uh, sent himself the answers like two days mm-hmm. before the show, right. um, and then he ends up trying to protect Charles. Uh, and he just wants the NBC guys to get the, to, you know, to get the right. fall. Uh, what, what, what's it, is this sort of a circumstance of him just kind of, oh, I, you know, I'm investigating this guy and came to like him and now I'm friends with him. And right. I, so, so in, in reality, Dick Goodwin, uh, who really did, uh, he worked for the congressional subcommittee on oversight. It's an oversight committee. Um, so in, in reality, uh, what had happened was in 1956 or seven, th- there actually was a grand jury investigation into what was going on with 21. And a lot of people testified in front of that grand jury, including Charles Van Doren. And all of them perjured themselves. Yeah. They all lied and said, no, the show's not fixed. Because Dan and right now Freeman told them, we're the only two people who can ever admit the show is fixed and we're never going to say that. So you can perjure yourselves because as long as neither of us say the show is fixed, no one can ever prove it. And so Van Doren, along with a long list of other former contestants all said, no, the show's not fixed. And then that congressional, or excuse me, that grand jury, those findings were then placed under seal, meaning the findings were not released to the public. And that was really weird. Yeah. Um, And so uh, it was a few, it was like a year and a half, two years later when the subcommittee on oversight caught wind of that and noticed the irregularity that the findings were under seal. So then Dick Goodwin was tasked with investigating that. And he did. And in his investigation, he basically went back and talked to everyone else in that, who had testified in that grand jury and realized, I don't think anyone was telling the truth. So he didn't really care about any of the contestants. He cared yeah. about the system that allowed this to happen, starting with the executive producers and Wright and Freeman, and then moving up to uh, NBC executives, and then moving beyond that to the sponsor who was funding everything. 
uh, he realized that the system was corrupt all the way to the top. So to go after the contestants wasn't important to him. That's like going after, you know, the guy smoking weed in 1989. You don't care about the guy smoking it on his balcony. You care about the guy who sold it to him, where he gets it from, where that guy gets it from. What corrupt border official is letting it get into the country? You want to go after the big cheeses, not the end user. So Goodwin had no interest in going after the contestants who he personally didn't blame for doing what they did. I mean, these were regular people who were offered, hey, you want to be famous? You want to win tens of thousands of dollars on this crooked game show? Who's not? Everyone would say yes to that. He didn't care about them. Absolutely. He cared about the NBC people. And what you alluded to with, you know, the the, the perjury and everything, I I even read, I think I read correctly that, Technically, what they did by giving contestants the answers and fixing the games wasn't illegal. It was the lying. Right. It was the lying to the grand jury. Right. It was actually the only illegal thing they ever did. And um, and so that's really what the actual real world congressional subcommittee hearings were on were about the perjury charges. (laughs) Uh, for the people who lie to the grand jury, but because that isn't terribly cinematic and it would take way too long to tell, they just sort of yeah. made the uh, hearings in the movie the one and only time testimony was given. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, it's... and, and so, uh, yeah, in real life, there were also a lot more investigators than just Dick Goodwin. But for the story to the cleaner storytelling purposes, that's how they did it. And in real life, Dick Goodwin did have a little bit of a relationship getting to know Van Doren. Um, in reality, they didn't, they weren't terribly close. They didn't, I don't think Dick Goodwin spent time at, at the Van Doren family home, but yeah. you know, for, for storytelling purposes, I, I love that they made that leap because it better illustrated Goodwin's actual concern, which is, I am not interested in embarrassing the contestants and making any of them testify that they didn't really know the stuff they say they knew. He was only interested in any of the contestants who willingly came forward to say that he wanted their testimony to help, uh, you know, sort of convict Enright and Freeman and the NBC people. And so that's where the guy who asked me about James Snodgrass, who was a Greenwich village, you know, beatnik, he was the one who had been on the show for a couple of weeks before Van Doren, before Stemple, who sent himself all the questions and answers registered mail two days before he appeared on the show to prove that he knew the questions and answers before the live appearance that he had on the show. Yeah. And that's what ultimately was used to convict. And I say convict. Nobody actually went to jail. Uh, Enright. Right. And Freeman that so they were does, fixing the show. Does he do that just in case this blows up? He Is he that... did it because he never knew when he might need to prove yeah. that the show was fixed. He did it to protect himself and, you know, make sure that he had something resembling evidence that they were fixing the show. Yeah. I, I, and I would assume in this day and do, do you think anything's happen like this since the, since then uh lord uh, no because this uh, is what got congress to uh change the fcc's rules on game shows and that there it if you're watching a game show there has to be the element of fairness 
in it. Um, now, where it gets a little gray, if you really yeah. want to get into it and go on a oh, yeah. tangent here, oh, yeah. is there is a gigantic difference between how the FCC views game shows like Jeopardy or Who Wants to Be a Millionaire versus competition or reality shows. Right. They do not fall under the same banner as a game show. So like a, a survivor or, right. you know, like amazing that is a, race. That's or... not right. That is not looked at by the FCC the same way they look at Jeopardy. So the element of fairness, the lack of scripted elements by the show's producers, manipulation of potential outcomes by the show's producers, those are not verboten in competition yeah. shows. I uh, I did not know I was going to get a game show expert on the show. So this is <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Uh, have you have you uh, ever met or worked with anyone that was in this movie? Um, oh God, I feel like I well, I've met Ray Fines, who's wonderful. Uh, I've met Redford, who is so charismatic and charming; it's ridiculous. God, I hope he fucking lives forever. What a <laughs> yeah. what a brilliant fucking guy he is. If you uh, met I, if you met someone that was a total dick, would you even say it? <laughs> I mean, I've met plenty of assholes, and I may have name checked them on previous podcasts, but I've stopped doing that because yeah. <laughs> it's just it's it's in it's in bad taste, you know. I'm happy got, to tell you yeah. all the wonderful people I've met, but rest assured, there's plenty of assholes in Hollywood, and yeah, I've yes. met a lot of them. Um, <laughs> yes, come to think of it, I've met a lot of people who who have worked in this movie, but I've actually never asked anyone who worked in this movie about their experience on it. I'm not really in the habit of doing that in my playful conversations with right. other actors yeah. that I meet. I don't generally ask them what was it like to work in that movie because they're not guests on my podcast. We're just chatting right. in the real world. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I've met Pamer and 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 Redford and uh who else have I met from from this movie? Uh I guess I've met Rob Morrow and uh Hank Azaria. And oh god, I used to play poker with Hank Azaria, sure. Oh um and uh who Is else? Is he a good uh, poker uh, player? He's a great card player, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Christopher McDonald, who plays Jack Barry, the host of the show. Um, I don't. Yeah. Don't. Oh, yeah. Christopher. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, Shooter McGavin, man. Shooter, Shooter McGavin. Rob, Rob Morrow. Have you met him? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I'm trying to think what else I've seen him in. Oh, well, I he was like on Northern I... Exposure for years. Uh... Um, that's how we got to start at my start. I mean, that's that was the thing that brought him to yeah. most people's knowledge. And then he was on that show Numbers with my oh, pal David right. Crumholtz for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, I do love I, I had the quote up here. The you know, the final kind of. Um, courtroom whatever you want to call it the congressional the thingamajig uh where is it where's the quote ray vine says it it's beautiful Ooh. oh i oh, could just do the whole it? thing for you by by memory well when he's talking about uh you know he's he's never built anything right um, i've 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 uh, i've spent a great deal of my life thinking i've accomplished more i've done more i've created more than i've actually done i flew too high on borrowed wings borrowed yes yes such a great line 
Um, it's just, it, 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 yeah, it kind it kind of, it kind of gets you and you, you, it's that, you know, realization that I, I, you know, I, I grew up privileged and, you mm-hmm. know, he's yep. admitting to himself yep. that, says, you know, I've had all the breaks. Yeah. And, and um, he took the easy way out on the show, you know, yep. just, oh, they're giving me the answers. I'll do mm-hmm. it. Yep. Like, cause he, he even said like, just give me the questions and I'll, I'll look up the answers or something like he was right. at least we'll willing to do some work egregious. and. Right, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I just I love that. I know that wasn't really said in real life. It was put in the movie. For- uh, actually, some of what he said in real life is in the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, they right. they took so yeah, because that was in a real congressional hearing, so they 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 did write it all down. Yeah, um, yeah. I believe the the phrase "I was involved, deeply involved in a deception." Uh, is taken directly from his testimony. He said, first I lied about what I knew, then I lied about what I did not know." Yeah, and, um, and I appreciate you know Dick's face, you know when when he's saying that because he's like I didn't want to take you guys. No, down. he, like, he I, had no interest yeah. in any of yeah. the contestants who didn't right. voluntarily come forward, like Stemple, like Snodgrass. He didn't yep. want to parade them up in front of that committee. Definitely, uh, but the ones who came up voluntarily, he said, "Yeah, no, I need you to get to Enright and Freeman, with the hope that Enright and Freeman would then implicate." the network who would then implicate the sponsor right he wanted these guys to roll over on the people above them but enright and freeman did not do that now because they did not want to jeopardize like stemple didn't want to anger enright because stemple was thinking of his potential future in television enright and freeman the producers felt the exact same way we're Mm -hmm. not going to roll over on nbc because even though we're about to be disgraced on this one show, we can come back. We can yeah. create something new. <laughs> we're not the faces on camera. We're just right. the names exactly. creating the show. NBC that's will true. be fine. Yeah. And so yeah. that's even what the the Scorsese character says. The you know the the the, the president of Geritol, the sponsor of the show. He says no. Enright Freeman, they'll be fine. He says what you got to understand, kid, is. The public has a very short memory for these sort of things, but corporations, they never forget. Yeah. So if Enright and Freeman do right by us, the public will say boo to those guys, but that'll fade. But as long as they're good with us, the corporations will let them back in the door. And they absolutely did. Uh, One of the end title cards points out that Enright and Jack Barry came back with the Joker's Wild about 10 years later, and it was a hundred times more successful than 21 ever was. Yeah. Well, and it's it's just crazy, too, just the the power these corporations have you like you see the NBC exec talking to one of the congressional members like saying about oh your golf game oh, yes. blah 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 like talking about yeah. like, going back to the links it's just yeah. like they're all in it together and you know are just it's just yeah it's yep all all all, the, all, all, all of all, these stuff that you think probably happens you know the se- yeah. the secret multimillionaire handshakes they happen yeah these guys now, are never going to send each other to jail. This uh, this came out in uh, Powerhouse of a Year, 1994. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Uh, Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, Shawshank oh, yeah. Redemption. Uh, the only acting uh, nomination it received was for Paul Schofield for Best Supporting Actor. Yep. Um, I could see now, that. Now, um, you just named the four movies you named. You said this movie, Shawshank, Pulp Fiction, and Forrest Gump. 
four of those, those four movies were nominated for Best Picture. Can yeah. you name the fifth nominee for Best Picture that year? All right, 1994. Oh, man. Uh, I'll give you right. a hint. Once you name these first four movies, in my humble opinion, this fifth film has absolutely no business being in that list. Uh, Jesus. Um, uh, I don't know. As soon as you say it, I'm going to. It's fucking four weddings and a funeral. That's right. Oh my God. I mean, yes. I sound, I feel like, what? you know, one of the Muppets, one of these things is not like the other. Like, what, how is that? How did that movie sneak in there? And what's yes. crazy to me, crazy to me is Quiz Show and Shawshank were box office failures. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking, okay. I figured it was talking to, but yeah, it's Shawshank even. Like, yeah. that's just, right. Are you, kidding me like and just how it got its legs i was uh william sadler i was talking to oh yeah um who yeah is just phenomenal oh, and He's uh amazing. yeah and uh yeah it's just it, yeah they didn't do anything in the box office no yet. no they died uh quick yeah. deaths in the box office but pulp fiction Forrest Gump and Four Weddings did yeah. gangbusters business. And then 94, I mean, again, there's there's even more. I mean, I think Dumb and Dumber came out that year. Uh, um, Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. And The Mask. Like, the one, two, three punch from, uh, from Jim yeah. Carrey was all 94. Yep. Oh, uh, no, 94 goodness. was a great movie year. Yeah, absolutely. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, and I, I know this was nominated for Best Picture, mm-hmm. uh, Best Screenplay, Best, Screenplay. Best Supporting Actor, mm-hmm. uh, I think in a, a, another one. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, uh, fantastic. Do you remember um, off the top? Of, oh, Best Director, Robert Redford sure. as well. Um, do you remember off the top of your head? Have you ever gotten a question on the down for this movie? Oh, I don't remember off the top of my yeah, head, but okay, I'd like to yeah. think if I did, I would have gotten it instantly because, <laughs> I, like yeah. I said, this is one of my top 10 favorite movies. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, but, uh, but yeah, quiz show, man. So glad uh, this was in your list to choose from for us. I uh, appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, any any final thoughts on the film? My final thoughts on the film, uh, it's so hard to tell stories that are based on real-life events it is so hard to tell a story that has multiple protagonists and, and to let the audience clearly understand their points of view. Um, and it's hard to tell uh, an interesting story that is a period piece. And yeah. um, Robert Redford nails all three of those things. And also yeah. I want to give a shout out to, I want to say the writer's name is Paul uh at asso oh man yep you're pretty much yeah a ton a ton a ton of co a ton of co my apologies yeah. to paul um <laughs> i think it's such a well-written script it's based yeah. on the book uh, uh one of many uh, dick goodwin wrote many books but uh he wrote about his experiences uh with the quiz show investigations in one of his books and so this is an adaptation of that story in that book um, but I think uh, the writer did such a great job and, and boy, does it really start there. So between the great writing and the great directing and the terrific acting, I think this is such a compelling, interesting story. And it had in the real world such far reaching effects of the outcome of the real story here and how it shaped one of the main sources of American entertainment for 
decades to come. I mean, Jeopardy, we wouldn't have shows like we have today without the outcome of what the story in this movie told. So I think it's really important to know if you are a fan of game shows, if you are a fan of television and, you know, live unscripted entertainment, this this story is very important. And everything you just said, I think, can be said about uh, four weddings and a funeral. Thank you. You know, it's (laughs) it changed the shape of movies. And funerals yes. for decades. Yeah, for decades. Decades to come. And meet cutes <laughs> at weddings <laughs> and <right>. funerals. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Sam, it's been an absolute blast. I'm so glad I, you, you, you filled me with so much knowledge that <laughs> I'm I, it will so be gone. Happy I could be. It, it will be gone tomorrow. But, Great. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, really appreciate you picking this movie, coming on and talking about it. Uh, do you have any, anything going on you wanted to promote or anything? I do. Like that? I do. I have plenty of stuff, but I have no air dates or release dates. I can't push that yet, but I can. Uh, let everyone listening know that I am on Cameo and uh, I'm having a ball over there. And let me tell you why. Look, you want to ask me to do a a birthday greeting, an anniversary greeting, a happy engagement. I'm uh, look, I'll do it gladly. But my niche on Cameo is something that I don't believe anyone else is doing. Do you have bad news you need to break to someone? Do you need to apologize to someone? And you just can't bring yourself to do it. Do you have no charisma when it comes to explaining that you made a mistake and you are now sorry about that mistake? Do you need to break bad news to someone, but you simply can't find the words that will give them the bad news in a good way? Well, I am your man. Oh, man. I have spent a lifetime telling bad news to people. Do you have I have exam- spent a lifetime apologizing because I'm an idiot. <laughs> So come to me and let me. Hi- yeah. I'm Go sorry. Ahead. Do you have, do you have a highlight of one that I, you here's did? The thing. So on cameo, when people request cameos, they can choose to let them either be public or private. So if it's public one, you can like go on my page and see some of them. Uh, and I think okay. I've got one or two up there, but by and large, when people come to me with apology or uh, bad news videos, they opt to make them private. So I don't think it's my place to talk about them in specifics. I will say this. In terms of bad news ones, I had uh, uh, a a friend who was moving, moving cities and did not couldn't figure out the way to tell uh, his friend that he was about to move and they were not going to be in the same city anymore. And he knew that the friend was uh, familiar with me, was a fan of mine. So he thought it would be easier if I came to break the news. And so I was very happy to do that. And I've done a number of apology videos. And by and large, they are uh, married people apologizing to their spouses <laughs> for dumb shit they may have said or done. And, uh. Uh, and I'm told either in the reviews or they'll write to me privately afterward and say it went over very well. <laughs> so look, I'm. I'm waiting for you to get a one that said uh, uh, she was uh, very pissed at me for spending this much money on the cameo. So I now, am not um, it may... that expensive. <laughs> okay. There well, are cameos good. that will that's set good. you back into the hundreds of dollars. I, that yeah. ain't me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What It takes like less than five minutes. It's just like you do that. It's like, come on. Why, 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 why oh, are these uh, oh, no. people out I asking? Take, I take my sweet ass time when I oh, do cameos. I don't think I've you. done a cameo video that's run under three minutes. 
That's beautiful. Mine that sometimes beautiful. run five, six, seven minutes because <laughs> I need the I need the people to understand. I'm not doing it on a lark. Like I'm there because I care. Good. Okay. I you want know? you to get your money's worth out of my cameos, no matter what I'm there wishing you or explaining to you or apologizing for. <laughs> so come find me on Cameo for all your messaging needs, good or bad. That is great. There you have it. That's what he's promoting. He's promoting that he can give bad news to people, folks. In a good way. On Cameo. In a good way. In a good way. Uh, well, Sam, it's been an absolute blast. You're welcome back anytime. I Thank really you, appreciate you coming on. Uh, this has been my absolute pleasure. I will I will gladly come back once your co-host uh, recovers. Uh, I'm happy to come back and discuss any of the other movies on that giant list I said. Well, there you have it, folks, Sam Levine on the quiz show, or just quiz show. I think it's just called quiz show. Uh, Robert Redford film. Great, great, great movie. If you haven't checked it out, it's uh, 28 years old. So check it out. Um, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Blockbuster Mentality, Twitter at Blockbuster Cast, and go to our website, blockbustermentality.com. Uh, YouTube, uh, our audio, man, our audio is taken off podcast wise, but our YouTube, I, I don't promote it a lot. Uh, but yeah, if you could just go blockbuster mentality on YouTube, try to get us some views, we'd appreciate that. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe we can make it big on YouTube, it could be YouTube stars, maybe, I don't know. All right, folks, I'm done. Sam Levine, great guy. But, uh, all right, well, that is it for me. For Sam, I'm Ben, and as always, grab some popcorn, grab some snacks. We'll catch you guys at the movies. 